What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. All right, I'd like you to turn to Hebrews, please. Um, Hebrews chapter 10. The title of my message is um, uh, Racism Ends Today, or I haven't, I haven't landed on it completely, but we'll figure it out before it goes online. Um, there's no such thing as racism and bow down. Uh, I don't know. If you, if you have any suggestions afterwards, you know, we're not fancy around here, but if you walk out of here as a racist today, um, it's because you didn't obey, okay? You didn't obey God's word, all right? Hebrews ten nineteen. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from evil and evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Hallelujah. Because if I look at my life, it's, it's, it's the opposite. My life apart from Christ. In fact, I, I never, the, I remember Bill Hobbs in volunteering for, for Urban Youth Impact back in 1998. He said, you've got to show up every week for a year. And I didn't say yes, because I didn't think as a brand new believer, I just, you know, fresh out the womb um, as a, a born again new believer I didn't think I could fulfill that year obligation because my whole life before Christ was unfaithful. It's who I was. He's faithful. Verse 24, let us consider. Now, I want you to say, this is my job here. This is my job here. It's not your pastor's job. It's not the elders or deacons' job. It's your job. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Amen? Amen. Put that on your to-do list this week, in your planner. How can I do that? 25, here's one way. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Hey, yeah, that's shade right there. Those of you who are watching online, it's time to come back. They were lying to us about covid Truth's coming out. It's time to come back. It's time to come back. Because, listen, you can't be in community online. You can't be in community online. We need each other. And so that should not... um, And and by the way, the church in America, on average, the average attendance for the church in America is once a month, okay? That's just those that come on on Sundays, all right? So I'm not going to even look around, but hey... If the shoe fits, that's between you and the Lord. And remember, verse 23, he's faithful, okay? He can make you show up. Encouraging one another. Encouraging one another. All the more, and I want you to highlight this, please, as you see the day drawing near. So we need to meet together more and more and more as the day is drawing near. Now, I want you to, 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 to really grasp this. As the day's drawing near, well, what does that mean? That means the return of Christ is coming. As the day's drawing near, and we can see the signs of the times that are happening, so as the day's drawing near, the Holy Spirit wants us to come together more and more and more. That's why we have house churches. That's why we're doing the Kingdom Men Conference. Because, dudes, if you're walking alone without accountability in your life, that's what the enemy wants because the devil's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. What do lions do? They get the weak, they get the young, they get the sick away from the herd so they can pounce on them and kill them. And the Bible declares in 1 Peter 5, 8 that the enemy, he's roaring around like a lion, seeking to devour. When you stay away from the body of Christ, you are going to get 
eaten. Now, you can come back bleeding, we'll bandage you up. But man, if you're clicked up. And so in our world, think about this for a second. There's nothing that's divided the church more than, than these things have in the last few years. Racism, George Floyd, all of that, right? Black Lives Matter, phew, division in the church of Jesus Christ. Then we got the political stuff. Hello. Like, anyway, people have come here and left here because of that. People have come here and left here because of race stuff. Listen, after today, some people will leave here. Because you're going to miss my heart. And I pray you don't do that. I pray that love believes the best, that love always hopes, but some people just can't stomach me. Third thing is COVID. We've had people leave here and come here because of COVID. Huge division in the body of Christ. Now, for me personally, me personally, man, I've messed up in this. And, and, and let me just say, every church has. These are hard things to deal with. In fact, one pastor, 50 years in the ministry, these last few years have been the hardest years of my ministry, my life, to unify the bride of Jesus Christ because there's so many narratives that are coming against the church. Uh, when I said to you online, hey, come back, the, the research is out on COVID, that might have just offended somebody that you're never going to come. Forgive me. But also do your research. This is the problem with a pastor because there's truth and we want truth to reign. And Jesus himself is the truth. But when other people have narratives and ideologies outside of the word of God, truth is offensive to those who are believing lies. Who have judgments in their hearts. Who are holding debts against people. And Will, my clock is not moving, and that, that's, a, that's just a dangerous problem. Oh, man, I just lost 20 minutes, see? Crap. Help me, God. Forgive me for saying crap. All right. So, so listen, 25 there. I, I really want you guys to see this. As Jesus says, the end comes, we are to get closer and closer and closer together to meet more and more and more and more. But look at what just happened these last few years. Division, 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 more than I've ever seen in my entire life, and I'm going to be 50 this year. I've never seen this kind of division happen in the church of Jesus Christ. Let me retract that. Martin Luther King said this, the most segregated time in America is on Sunday morning. Right? We've got to come together. The enemy wants to divide us, but we have to come together. And the only way we can come together is when we begin to look at one another properly, biblically. That your viewpoints line up with the word of God, not what society is teaching and saying and selling, because things out there will come in here and bring division in the body of Christ. And so today, one of Paul's favorite statements, by the way, is in Christ. He used that statement more than any other statement. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Because of the cross, I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. That is who I am now. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. I'm in Christ. That is the number one identifier for my life is that I'm in Christ. And unless you hear this message today, standing in Christ you're going to miss things. So ask God for the grace to be able to hear. 
Uh, Will, uh, can you put up the, the first slide there? Uh, this guy wrote The Art of War. This statement is really important because spiritually, we're never going to deal with this issue of race if we do not have biblical doctrine as our foundation. So the war will be lost before the war even starts, before you experience uh, anything out there, before uh, anything happens, the, the, the war will be lost because your foundation, your foundation's wrong. But when you stand in the word of God, whatever comes your way, you're going to be able to handle it because you're walking in truth, you're not walking in deception. So it's very important. The battle is it's in between the ears here. And so I want you to turn to Genesis 127, please. Genesis 127. And the reason why I'm having you turn here is because I want you to see it. Uh, We're also going to go to the New Testament after this, but I want you to see it. I want you to highlight it. And I want you to ask God, God, please give me the faith to believe what this says. That I don't walk out of here today thinking or viewing people any different than what it declares right here. And Genesis 1.27 says this, it says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Now God is not trying to be redundant, but he knows that people will not view others like that, so he says it twice in a different way. Male and female, he created them. So every person on this earth is created in the image and the likeness of God. You are who God declares you to be. No matter how you feel, no matter what they think, no matter what society is saying to you, you are who God declares you to be. And you have to believe that over everything else. Acts 17, 26, please. Go ahead and turn there. Acts 17, 26. And I'd like you to highlight this as well. And the reason why I have you going from Genesis to Acts is because Old Testament, New Testament, hundreds of years apart, but yet the Bible, which was written over a 1,400-year period from 42 different authors on three different continents, says miraculously the same thing. This is why you can trust the Bible. So Genesis was the beginning, and we're talking years later. Now Acts is being written by Luke, and it says this in verse 26, and from one man, every nation of mankind. He made from one man every nation. Say one man every nation. One man every nation. Listen, we all came from Adam and Eve, created in the image and likeness of God, And from one man, every single culture, every single color, every single nation derived from one man. Well, what happened? What happened was in Genesis, they were making the Tower of Babel, and then they they were dispersed, and, and God confused their language, so people split and went all over the world. And those that went to places that were hot, guess what happened to their skin? Started getting darker over time. Those who, who, who went to colder places, right? So there was variations, not only from climate, but also from those who were split. Listen, when, when uh, I don't want to get into this too much, but Jacob was smooth. Esau was a very hairy person. Same mom, you, you understand what I'm saying? So, so anyway, I got two kids that have different levels of tan. So anyway. Will, let's go over the, 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 the Ken Ham clips. And by the way, in our children's ministry, uh, we are 
are teaching kids this curriculum so they grow up with a biblical ideology. They really understand from the Bible what is truth, and not only what is truth, but also science, because science always confirms what's written in the Bible. And so here, this article says that there is only one race, the human race. And so a doctor wrote that in a science manual. Next clip, please. Again, all humans are one race. There is no genetic or evolutionary justification for racial categories of humans. What does man want to do, though? We want to separate people into racial categories. That's not scientific. It's not biblical, and it's not scientific. Next, next chart, please. And so the criteria that people use for race are based on external features that we are programmed to recognize. Our society wants to program us to recognize people and identify them from outward external features, which is foolish and it causes division. And uh, that guy was the University School of Medicine in Atlanta. Keep going. The facts show us that there are no differences among us, but they stem from culture and not race. We're going to come back to that. And so here's the reality. Everybody is 99.9% the same in this room. Science proves that. The Human Genome Project proves that with DNA. The only difference, the only difference, in fact, you're going to hear from Dr. Ben Carson in a minute. He says this, Whenever I cut open somebody's head to do brain surgery, it's all the same on the inside after the skin. Nothing different. And so some of us have lots of melanin, and some of us have a small amount of melanin. All right? And so that is a superficial difference, a scientific difference. And that is causing so much division in our nation. And it's unfortunate. It's not biblical, and it's not scientific. Next slide, please. So I want you guys to believe in science. I don't want you to be science deniers. All human beings belong to one race. There's one race, scientifically and biblically, the human race. Next slide. And this is what is going on in our country and our culture right now with the false narratives and the false ideologies that are going to continue to divide us because Satan wants us divided so that as the day approaches, we don't come together, but we separate. We see people saying, man, I, I, I want you to uh, I, I am against the thought of, of colorblindness, right? I, I, I want to be identified with this. I want you to identify me, me that way. But the Bible is constantly pushing us to a place as believers, uh, 1 Samuel 16, 7, which God says this. He says this to the prophet Samuel. Man looks at the outward, but I look at the heart. And by the way, this is foundational in MLK's speech. It is my dream that one day they will be judged, the blacks will be judged by the content of their character, not by the what? Color of their skin. And we see the absolute opposite that's happening right now from the false prophets that are unfortunately alive and well in our nation trying to bring division and our churches trying to bring division. New Testament also says that it as well. Jesus, from the abundance of the heart, the what? Mouth speaks. It's what comes in from, from, from within you that defiles you. Who, who you are, right? That's what's, what's, what's more important than the outside is what's on the inside. And if we don't start looking at people biblically and also scientifically, we're going to continue to have division in our church. And I believe it ends here today. Now, one of the things that our nation has done is it has whitewashed history, meaning some of our greatest African-American leaders we don't even know about. We don't even know about because it was left out of history books. 
And unfortunately, the false prophets of today that are out there that are pushing a victimhood narrative, they don't bring this stuff up either because there's an agenda. And so we'll go ahead and play Dr. Carson's video. And, And real quick before you play it, let me just say this. Dr. Ben Carson... He's been so hated because he, he went on a certain political road. But here's the deal. Before that, he was the greatest neurosurgeon, the greatest brain surgeon in the, in the world. And he was the first, the first to separate two Siamese twins at, at birth. He separated them and they lived. Dr. Ben Carson did that. And so, again, um, man, he is the top of the top, and so here he is uh, giving this little message on black history. Heritage isn't known, then obviously a huge portion of your self-image goes down the drain. And that's why it's so important, I believe, you know, to, to take that young six-year-old boy by the hand and walk down the street and give him a black history lesson and point to his shoes and say it was Jan Motzlicker, a black man who invented the automatic shoe lasting machine. And he steps on that clean street and you tell him it was Charles Brooks, a black man who invented the street sweeper, those machines with the big brushes. And down that street comes one of those big refrigerated tractor trailer trucks and you tell him it was Frederick Jones, a black man who invented the refrigeration system for trucks later adopted for airplanes, boats, and trains. And it comes to a stop at the red light, and you tell him it was Garrett Morgan, a black man who invented the traffic signal. And you can tell how he also invented the gas mask that saved lots of lives during the war. And while you're talking about the war, Henrietta Bradbury, a black woman who invented the underwater cannon, made it possible to launch torpedoes from submarines. And while you're talking about black women, you can talk about Madam C.J. Walker, a black woman who invented cosmetic products for women of dark complexion, was the first woman of any nationality in the United States to become a millionaireist on her own efforts. And you'll walk past the, the hospital and you can talk about Charles Drew and his contributions to blood banking and understanding of blood plasma. Daniel Hale Williams, the first successful open heart surgery in the world and an operative mortality rate of only 1.5%. Um, you can talk about um, Louis Latimer, who was the uh, right-hand man of uh, Thomas Edison, a black man, who came up with the filament that made the light bulb work for more than two or three days, who invented the electric lamp, who did pioneering work in incandescent and fluorescent lighting, who diagrammed the telephone for Alexander Graham Bell, tremendous inventor in his own right. Almost no one knows of him. You can walk across the railroad tracks and talk about Andrew Beard, the automatic railroad car coupler, which spurred on the Industrial Revolution, or Elijah McCoy, automatic lubrication system for locomotive engines. And he had so many great inventions, people would say, is that a McCoy? Is that the real McCoy? Which is where the term comes from. One of the greatest inventors in the history of man. And people don't know that he was a black man. And, uh, you know, that's how you remedy the situation. So again, the, 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 these hidden things that, that we don't, don't focus on, don't point to the success, the success of the past, even in the midst of discrimination, even in the midst of oppression, even in the midst of Jim Crow, where they are heroes. Yeah, yeah the first black million, first millionaire woman, black, white, was a black lady, Mrs. Right? So, so, so we don't know this stuff. We don't know this stuff. And... Because we don't know this stuff, because we don't teach this stuff, because we're going along with what's popular, hope deferred makes a heart sick. And so, not only past we don't know, but also current we don't know. Current we don't know. There is so much noise about what's wrong, and I'm reading a book by a guy named Bob Woodson, and he's like, we need to focus on uh, focus on not what's wrong, but focus on what is right and what did those people do that are getting it right? Okay? 
Dr. Bob Woodson, right, African-American guy, and he's speaking this book about how, how he's come into inner cities and he's brought change, not by focusing on the, 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 the people with all the issues and the problems, but the ones who are successful and, he's, and are making it, and he's, he's focusing on what they're doing. And so a few years ago, I came across this statistic that kind of switched a paradigm shift for me, and I operate out of paradigm shifts because truth reigns, right? And so, so listen, there, it's said, facts don't care about your feelings. Listen, God cares about your feelings. He loves your feelings, and you shouldn't pr- suppress them. But when feelings are rooted in false beliefs and truth comes, we've got to relook at that. And so I came across this statistic in 2018 that talked about how the median income of the Nigerians in America on average were higher than white America income. And I was like, no, that, that, that can't be right. Something's wrong here. Well, it's a true story. Okay, some of you are fact-checking me. It'll say it on Wikipedia. I already checked. But I've got, there's other research. It's in the census. And so how in the world is that happening? I'm, I'm believing all these narratives. How is that happening? Well, when I started to look and ask why, well, I realized it's not, a, it's not a color thing. It's a culture thing. It's a culture thing. I want you to listen to this. This came out of a study from Rice University with Nigerians. And, and by the way, it's listed in a 2006 U.S. Census from the U.S. Census Bureau. 17% of all Nigerians in this country held master's degrees. 17% master's degree. Whereas whites in the country, only 8% out of the total whites in the country. So again, doubled, right? Now, the Nigerians are smaller percentage than the whites in America, but they, 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 they have doubled the amount, okay, per uh, group here than whites do. Here's another one. 4% of Nigerians have a doctorate, while only 1% of whites in America have doctorates. And here's the last one. I was like, whoa. 37% of Nigerians have bachelor's degree, while only 9% of white Americans have bachelor's degree. So again, almost double. Well, why is that like that? Why are the Nigerians becoming more educated and also more wealthy than whites in America? Why is that? Here's why. You live out of your beliefs. Your culture dictates things that, 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 that's, that are more important than color. What you believe and how you move, it matters because you're going to live out of your beliefs. Culture is key, not color. And so here's this quote from this Nigerian. I tried to say his name last service. It didn't go up well, over well. You're going to have to trust me. It's a real Nigerian. His name is O-L-U-Y-I-N-K-O-L-U-T-O-Y-E, okay? <laughs> this is what he said. Culture, culture, culture. The typical saying in a Nigerian household is that the best inheritance that a parent can give you is not jewelry or cash or material things. It's a good education. Cultural paradigm affecting the belief system and the movement of the people. That's a big deal. You live out of your beliefs. Why are you going on into all of this, Chris? It's because of this. The first thing is the Bible and science. There's one race. We just, some people have better tans than other people. And listen, don't hate on my skin privilege. Okay? Don't hate on it. All right? So biblically, there's one race. Scientifically, there's one race. And we have to operate of that foundation. But understand, the whitewashing of history is a real thing that's been hidden, and people need to know that. We've got to shout that to the kids and the next generation. Listen, look at what happened despite worse situations that are happening right now in our world. Look at the success that Dr. Ben Carson talked about. And then also, there's current realities 
that people are not seeing and viewing and walking in, that, man, if we call people into a certain culture, man, that's going to dictate. So we are the people who call everybody into the kingdom culture, that we do everything as unto the Lord, to the glory of God, that if God is for us, who or what can be against us? That we live like that, that we walk with people like that, that we proclaim that to people that, listen, I know things might not be fair. I know you might not think X, Y, and Z, but gosh, we are here with you. We will lay down our life for you because this is who we are, because that's what he did, and I am in Christ, and you are in Christ with me. Let's do this together. And when there is injustice, I will fight for you. I will lay down my life for you because I'm covenanting with you. I want you to turn, please, to 1 Corinthians 6. So, Will, go ahead and put up the Moabite stuff, please. So the reason why at the beginning I said there's no racism, there's going to be no racism in Bow Down, that it's not going to exist after today, is because I'm not trusting in this message to do it, but I'm trusting the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. And you're going to hear you need to go through 26 classes, you need to do this conference. You need to sit down and just listen. Let me just tell you, no, you need to repent. And you need to ask Jesus to heal you if there's any judgments there, if there's any false beliefs that are there, and it can end today. It's not complicated. Why is it not complicated? Thanks for asking. 1 Corinthians 6. Or do you not know? Verse 9. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. I want you to highlight that word practice, please, because it's really important. Nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And so here's what scripture is declaring. All those things that are listed there, those are sinful practices. And notice how beautiful the Bible is because there should not be any kind of like, oh, this sin is worse than that sin. Listen, the Bible says the sexually immoral and homosexual. Same, dude on porn, homosexual, same boat. And if you're practicing it, you are in great danger. And again, you can repent today and ask God to forgive you and say, God, I don't want to be like a dog going back to my vomit anymore. I want freedom. I want freedom. I want freedom from that. Look at verse 11, and I want you to highlight this. And this is the power of the gospel. This is the power of what happens to a heart that truly repents, is that God will free you. Look at it. And such were some of you. And such were some of you. Go through that list again. That is not your identity God is calling you out of that into his identity, which you're in Christ. And let me just say, we can plug racists in there today too. Here's the beauty of the gospel, the power of the gospel, that you can be freed from that whole list today if you come and you repent and you say, Jesus, forgive me, change me. I'm sorry, I don't ever, ever, ever want to go back again. And I don't want to move with a false repentance where it's just, I'm sorry, and I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I want to roof with a true repentance that's listed in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 that produces a, a zeal, a punishment, a, a desire to cleanse myself, an indignation. Like, I hate this. I do not want to be like this. 
And such were some of you, and such were some of you, and such were some of you. It's the gospel. And if you're in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. This racist stuff. I heard a guy two weeks ago, or a week ago, I can't remember. All white people are racist because they've been born into a white supremacy system. And by the way, the Nigerian thing kind of challenges that ideology. Christian, that is not true. If you repent of racism and judgments and ungodliness for looking at someone by the color of their skin and not who God has made them to be in the image and likeness of God, all of it can go right now today. You don't need a 12-week class to understand. No, just understand that you're wrong and repent and the healing will come. God is here in this place. We cannot have racism in this church. We cannot have discrimination, pride, these things that grieve the heart of God. Those have to go. I want you to turn to Ruth 2, please. Take a note, I'm going to give you a number of points. It's one thing to repent of something, right? And this is is very important. Jesus warned about this, that when a demon's cast out of somebody, it leaves, but then comes back and finds a place swept clean but not filled with anything, It brings back seven more demons, and that person is worse than before. So repentance is one thing, but also filling and a mindset that I'm going to move differently is another thing. So in Colossians chapter 3, it says put off, but then it says what? Put on. Understand, racism is not a skin problem, it's a sin problem. And when that sin is repented for of judgments against yourself, judgments against others, judgment against the nation, judgments against, and we can keep going, we feel that with truth. Okay, this is how I'm going to move. This is how I'm going to walk. This is the path that God has called me to. It's a narrow road, and this is how I'm going to roll. And when we went through the book of Ruth, there was principles that are going to help us that you'll see today day that are going to cause us to, to, to no longer walk in such a way where this stuff can fester back up because we're going to walk differently now. And I'm going to ask you to stand in Christ and to make some commitments, commitments that we see through the book of Ruth here. Look at Ruth 2, 5 through 6. This guy was in charge. He was the boss. He was in authority, and he identified her twice as a Moabite here, and he didn't get to know her name. Let me just tell you, that's not Christ. You have been given all authority in Christ, and you are called to use your authority to not look at people like a Moabite, not like it's listed right here because Ruth didn't have anything to do with this. But you're called to move towards people for who they are, not for what their ancestors did. And see, in Christ, this guy didn't welcome her in and you've got to make a commitment before God to welcome people in, to welcome people in. Will you do that? Point number one, I will welcome people in. I'll stand in Christ and I'm going to welcome people in. I'm not going to judge them by their outside. I'm not going to refer to them by their ethnicity like the world is wanting us to do. But I'll look at everybody in God's image and likeness who's created and I'm going to welcome them in. 
Are you going to do that? The second thing we see in Ruth 2, 8 through 10, and I'm not going to read these, number one, for sake of time, but number two, we already read it as we went through this book together. But you see some amazing things that Boaz does. He calls her his daughter. You're my daughter. He welcomed her in. He protected her. He said, drink with us. He showed her favor. And he didn't treat her as a foreigner. He didn't treat her as one on the outside. But he welcomed her in. And this is why Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11 says this. It says, Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. I, hey, listen, huh. I, I remember my walk like with the Lord, man, I would, if I was Jesus, I'd be ashamed to call me his brother, right? But Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren and he looks at me, he looks at you and he's not ashamed to call you brothers. And we've got to move in Christ where we welcome people in as family. And if we do that, there's not going to be any root of racism discrimination in our church because we'll understand Jesus is a firstborn of many brothers and we're brothers. We're brothers. We're brothers. Hebrews, that was Hebrews 2.11. So second thing, am I going to make a commitment to stand in Christ and see one another as brothers or sisters? The third thing is in Ruth 2.11 through 13. We see that Boaz treated her according to her present actions, not her past actions. He was treating her for what she had done, not for what her ancestors did. This is really, really important for us today. In Christ, commitment number three, I will not deal with somebody because of their past. I will deal with them in their present reality. It's big. It's what Boaz did. The next thing we see is in Ruth 2, 14 through 16. He invited her to dinner. He gave her extra. She went home with a plate. He stuck up for her. Don't rebuke her. And so the fourth commitment, in Christ, I will invite people to my table. And see, at the table, you get to listen and hear and understand and hear stories about what people have been through. You get to hear their pain, come into their pain, right? Compassion means that you enter into someone else's suffering. That happens at the table where you're breaking bread together. That's why the Pharisees hated Jesus, because he eats with sinners. When you eat with somebody, it's symbolized in that day that you were one with them. Because you're taking in what they're taking in. And so the fourth commitment in Christ, I will invite others to my table. I will invite others to my table. The next one in Ruth 3.1, she sought rest for Ruth. Look, there is a lot of people that are not experiencing the rest of God. Again, it's why Urban Youth Impact exists, because we see the unrest in the community, and we say, man, we want to be like Christ, who, who, who in, in, in Hebrews 4, it says, there's a rest, a Sabbath rest for God's people. And so, commitment number five is this, in Christ, I will seek rest for others. I will seek rest for others. When I see injustice, when I see hurt, when I see pain, I want to be in Christ and I want to seek rest to them because Jesus, the Lord of our Sabbath, has brought us into his rest. The next thing we see in verse 14 is that Boaz covered kind of uh, her, her reputation, if you will. Where he's like, hey guys, listen, I want you to leave early. I don't want your reputation to be maligned, uh, Ruth. And so he kind of covered it. 
And so when I look at the history of Noah and how he got drunk and he got naked and one son went and uncovered his father's nakedness and shame but, and was cursed for it, but the other two sons went in backwards and covered their father's nakedness. Listen, we're going to mess up as the people of God. But am I going to be a person that covers people's sins, covers people's shames, shame? Am I going to be that guy that is a peacemaker and a reconciler, or am I going to be somebody continuing to bring up, bring up, bring up, bring up? And so are you going to make a commitment today to stand in Christ and cover other people's sins? Christ did that on the cross, and I'm thankful that all my sins have been covered. They've also been taken away. Hallelujah. The next part we see in Ruth 4.1. Boaz went to the gate, and he did the deal. He went public with it. Hey, I want this girl. I want this girl. And we look at Jesus, right? He went up on that cross and was crucified and killed, and he became a covenant for us. He went public for us just to have us in his family. And so, number seven, am I going to stand in Christ and go to the gate on behalf of others to bring them in? Am I willing to lay myself out like that for the sake of unity, for the sake of oneness? Because this is what God has called us to. The next thing we see in Ruth 4.13 is you see a son that is born. And here's the reality. As we abide in Christ, we're going to bear fruit as we walk together in love. We're going to produce the kind of fruit that should happen. This is why Jesus said that you'll tell they're my disciples by the love that they have for one another. And you know what? That, that is good fruit coming from the tree that the, the world can look into the church and say, yeah, there's no race issues. There's no race problems because these people are walking in truth. They're not walking in what the world is trying to say. The next thing we see is in uh, Ruth 1, 16 through 18. And this is the covenant that Ruth made. And I, I just want to challenge everybody to make a commitment in Christ that they're going to stand in the new covenant with people. In this covenant here in Ruth 1, 16 through 18, Ruth declared she wanted to be with her people now. This was her God now. You are my people now. She was identified with their people. It was a covenant like, I'm never going to go back. And if I do go back, may God deal with me and more. If anything but death parts you from me. Like that is a bold statement. And when we look at What Christ has done in the new covenant, giving his blood, giving his body, becoming a sacrifice so that we could be one with him. And again, Ephesians 2, it said that that, that Christ, he, he, he tore down the wall of separation between Jew and Gentile and he created one new man. And he did that in his blood. And we are one in Christ because of the brokenness of Christ's body and the new covenant that we have. We are now children of God. To those who have believed him, to those who have received him, he has given them the right to become children of God. That's 1 John 1, 12. Like, we are children of God. We are heirs with Christ. We are one with him. He is our dad. That's the new covenant where there's one new man. And so I want to commit to walk with everybody. With everybody. That is created in God's image and likeness. With the church of Jesus Christ. That I'm not going to look from the outside, but I'm going to stand in these truths that we see from the book of Ruth so that we can be reconcilers, so that racism will not have a place in the church, and that we could be one, 
really, they answer to Jesus' prayer in John 17. Father, that they may be one like you and I are one. We are called to this union. We're called to this oneness. We're called to this one new man. And and God is our father. And we're in this together. And we cannot, we cannot follow the ideologies of the world that are telling us that that our identity comes from our ethnicity. It doesn't. It's a lie. That's unbelief. You are who God says you are. I'm going to believe, I'm going to begin to stand on his word and what he has declared. I'm not going to believe the lies. Because Jesus is the truth. When I stand in truth, I'm standing in his way. Amazing things are going to happen. So guys, listen. It's my prayer that your judgments that you may have turn into tears. God, forgive me for judging others. Forgive me for judging myself. Forgive me for judging. Forgive me for judging. Oh, God, come and heal. Come and heal. So, and fill me with a love, God, and the wisdom of God so that I move towards people like you do. We thank you, God, for the book of Ruth. Worship team, come on up, please. And these principles that I've given you, I pray that you would just meditate on them Apply them to your life so that this doesn't happen within our congregation because, listen, if God exposed anything in you today, repent, ask for forgiveness, and ask him to fill you and change you so that you can obey what Jesus says. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. So God, we just ask that you would just create in us a clean heart, that you would renew a right spirit within us. We thank you, God, for the book of Ruth and how it just exposed how we should walk. Help us to obey you, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, when we have bought into things that are just not true out there. And help us to be people of the truth, walking in love with you, We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We thank you that you are quick to forgive and you're quick to restore and you are our redeemer, God, and we want to come under you. Minister to us now as we worship you and sing to you. And I pray, God, if there's anybody that's here today dealing with anything, that you draw them forward for our prayer partners. We love you, Jesus. Be glorified in this place. Bring us into the oneness that you spilt your blood for. You have declared us one by your precious blood. So have your way, God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.